0: Welcome to Made by Women, a new podcast by the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. At a moment when businesses face some of the biggest challenges in recent history, we bring you inspiring stories, practical insights, and shared learnings to help you successfully navigate in today's environment. Every Thursday, Made by Women will showcase the experiences of legendary women entrepreneurs fierce up-and-comers, and and everyday women who found success their own way. Consider this your real-world MBA designed for the new now. I'm Kim Azzarelli, and thanks so much for joining us today. Like every other industry these days, fashion is going through a major upheaval. Tech combined with coronavirus has upended the way people shop. And at the forefront of this change is Stephanie Crespin. Stephanie is the founder and CEO of Reflant, a tech company that enables customers of high-end fashion to resell their purchases and to do it through the brand they bought it from. It's a seamless take on what's known as circular fashion, the notion that clothing should be recycled and resold. The goal of circular fashion is to cut down on manufacturing waste and keep garments out of the landfill. Now, Reflant has won acclaim for its innovative approach to the circular economy. And this year, Stephanie was honored by Springboard Enterprises and Accenture as one of the women who are transforming industries. Enjoy my conversation with Stephanie Crespin, founder and CEO of Reflant. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Kim, for having me. We love your company. We think it's an incredible idea. Can you tell us what Reflant does and why you started it?
1: So ReFlant, uh, basically sits between the brands and retailers and the secondary market. Secondary market today is, is booming, right? Uh, we've seen real, real IPO. Uh, we're seeing now there's news that Poshmark will, might IPO, ThreadUp might IPO. And it's really have, it has become basically the way that uh, consumers shop. Uh, today it's not about shopping, wearing and then disposing. It's about, shopping, wearing, and then if you don't have enough use uh, around the item, you resell it. Um, So it's really penetrated the the shopping habits and the way that we consume in uh, fashion. Um, So that market is humongous. It's booming, it's growing, but it's still very fragmented. You have tons of different marketplaces. Some are smaller than others. Some are more specialized than others that basically process and, and uh, cater to the second-hand uh, market. Uh, now, what we have on the other side is, is the brands and retailers who aren't really part today of uh, that discussion, who, are, who haven't integrated yet a circular model uh, to allow their own customers uh, to resell. And what we do is facilitate that. We are a plugin, so we are a technology company that integrates in the backend of brands and retailers, and allow their own customers to put back on sale their past purchases in a click onto a network of second hand marketplaces. So um, I'll just illustrate with a very concrete example: You've purchased a Balenciaga bag. Six months later, you'd like to resell it. Uh, you go back to your account with Balenciaga. And there you have all your past purchases. Next to your Balenciaga bag, you have a resale button. You click that resale button. We capture all the information. We prompt you to add a few more details, like the current condition. And that listing is then broadcasted on 10, 15, 20 different marketplaces. Once it's sold on one of the marketplaces, it gets delisted. And you as a a customer... Get the choice to be paid either in cash or shopping credits to buy again uh, with Balenciaga. So we're building ultimately. Uh, we're connecting the dots. Uh, we're connecting the different stakeholders, which are brands, retailers, the customer, and the marketplaces. And we're building a circular um, model, um, and and for which basically the brand and the retailers can keep a certain ownership um, and build uh, an integrated, seamless customer journey for their own customers uh, from the moment they've purchased to the moment they resell.
0: It's amazing. It's an amazing model. And to be at the forefront of circular fashion must be pretty exciting. I want to start with your background. So you were born in Japan, right? You went to boarding school in Paris. You studied business in Belgium. I think you started your career at P&G how did this background influence the way you developed your business idea and and how did you how did you come up with this idea
1: yeah so it's funny i mean i i did um in, in business engineering studies uh i was al- always into fashion like i would say many women are uh but always thought that uh you know it was a, a space in which you know it, it, only a little girl could, could even dream about entering that space. And, and I had to stick to things that were much more serious, like finance or, 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 you know, engineering or, or something in in that, in those kind of spaces. Um, so I, I did those studies, went to Proctor, which was, you know, uh, in the eyes of, uh, of, uh, my background, um, Seen and perceived as as being a great company to work for, and it, it was tremendous the, the the value that it brought me because it's very structured. It provides you so many tools and formats and and ways of structuring your thoughts, um, and I, I still you know benefit from that today. Um, but after four years, I realized that you know I wasn't really passionate about it. Um, it had given me the confidence uh, to understand how to manage a business, uh, but it wasn't in the space that I wanted to be in. Um, and there, that that's when I, I started to, to look into more details on, 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 you know, what were the different businesses I, I wanted to, to look more, more in depth. Um, I had a couple certainties, which were, I wanted to start a business that had proven itself elsewhere, um, for sure and then i wanted to do a business as well um you know that was in a space where morning till night uh and and during weekends i, I could still enjoy it and uh and of course fashion was one of them um sustainability as well it ticked the box uh, pretty pretty well because part of my um my studies uh, or or speciali- specialization that i had done was in um, uh, ecological economy. So it, it basically teaches you on, on economical models around sustainability. Um, so I always had a, a, an attraction for that and I did like a, a whole paper on very boring uh, European legislations that's called REACH uh, on, on how do you, 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 you make sure that uh, basically the, the colorations and the ingredients that are put into fabrics or other areas are not uh, toxic and, and bad for consumers um so was very much already immersed in that space and uh, and when i discovered kind of uh you know the the the, the vintage and and second hand that i had that i was already very much passionate about because i was going to thrift stores and to different markets but that it had been brought online uh, that to me was wow the moment, right? And there I thought, this is amazing. This is the new way to shop. This is the future. This is incredible. I mean, they're extending the life cycle of products. Um, and, and, and there, it makes so much sense, right? Um, it, it makes so much sense for other industries like the car industry. Uh, why not for fashion? And by the way, you know, that was a few years back, but it only accelerated and, and you see, this kind of shared economy as well that that has boomed and that has applied itself to uh to to you know the home industry so and to hotel industry with Airbnb, to um the mobility with Uber, uh fashion, why would it be an exception? So yeah, that's uh that's a bit how I arrived in, in, in that space. And so I started my first company that was in Reflant, which is called Style Tributes, still exists today. I invite you to go and have a look. It's a, it's based in Singapore, but it ships internationally, and it's a secondhand marketplace. It's a curated secondhand marketplace, um, and so uh, out of my experience building my first venture and in this first marketplace, I was kind of faced with the main challenges that I would say many of these marketplaces are faced with, uh, which are one, uh, you know, you you need to you have a dual kind of cost and acquisition cost, which is uh, the the acquisition of your supply and of your sellers, and then the acquisition of your buyers, uh, which it makes it twice as complicated as a normal fashion retailer because um, it's not as if you could, you know, uh, buy more of this assortment when it sells really well or buy less of that assortment when it doesn't. Uh, you're kind of, you know. Um, Victim of of not victim, but uh, very dependent on uh, what the sellers come and bring you with the assortment. Even though you can uh, narrow it down uh, depending on your criteria. Anyway, so you had you have the assortment with this, which is a challenge. You have the authentication, which is a challenge. And then once you're a marketplace that processes each single unit, like Style Tribute or Real Real, you have the whole operational issues. Um, which is, you know, that single unit that you need to photograph, describe, um, you know, it goes through a lengthy supply chain before it's, it's being sold. And once it's sold, it's done, you start from scratch for the next unit. Um, so looking at all the challenges I had, I was wondering, man, how can I get my hands on more supply? And the obvious solution was basically getting uh, closer to brands and working closer with brands and retailers, and that's where basically Reflant kind of emerged, uh, and everything made sense, right? Because if you connect the dots and you integrate, um, not only are you able to reduce dramatically on the operational costs because they're doing all that that hard work, right? They're shooting all the pictures of their products that they're putting on their websites. Um, they're um, describing that item. They're, um, you know putting the size, the material. So the whole listing basically already exists and all that effort is already done. The second thing that I realized by integrated with a brand is that it it solved a lot of issues related to the counterfeit issue. So the secondhand market, unfortunately, is still um, faced with a a huge problem, which is is counterfeit, right? And and parallel uh, markets, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so that traceability uh, challenge is is, uh, is a big one. But by integrating in the back end, you could start tracing the per- the product from the moment of purchase to the moment of sale. Uh, so bring a lot of trust around the item that is being sold on the secondhand market. So that was the second thing that I was seeing. And then the third is the education and the penetration that could be brought by doing that. Because once you're really in the ecosystem of the brand or of the retailer and you're able basically uh to communicate well the brand and the retailer is able to communicate on the fact that you can buy an item but then resell it in the future then you can really drive education and penetration in regards to how you should shop right and it makes much more sense for everyone um, because you know how many times haven't we purchased an item or a dress for just one event Um, And then it stays hanging in our wardrobe. Whereas here we could have a system where you purchase an item for an occasion. Um, We know that, you know, it's a special dress. It's not a dress that you wear at the office. And we know that maybe you won't be wearing it that much. Well, you could have a messaging in, you know, a few weeks later saying, you know, um, why don't you resell it and give it a second life? So prompting the user to, to give it a second life if he doesn't wear it anymore.
0: We'll be back with Seneca's Made by Women after this short break. So you started in 2017 and it really, it really takes off. How did you decide that you were ready to scale? I know you went for funding relatively early. How did you decide to do that? And what was that process like?
1: If we come back to the nature of our business, we're, we're a tech company. Um, we have a very sophisticated product uh, and, and that's quite complex with different tech components uh, that require us, you know, on one hand to, to synchronize inventory on the other, to adapt ourselves in regards to different brands and, and retailers that all have their different technologies. Um, we have a communication hub to enable basically uh, you know, a, a smooth kind of customer journey between sellers and the buyers of the marketplace. Um, we have, you know, a, a module that has to generate automatic shipping labels uh, to be able to manage the, the logistical flows. So it's not very simple. Um, it's, it's quite complex in terms of, of tech, uh, which means that before being you know um, uh, operational and being able to generate revenue, we needed uh, investment to be able to, to set and to, to hire the needed engineers and tech people uh, to build that product that we had envisioned. Um, so that was kind of a... a unfortunately like we we put in bootstrap till the moment that we launched i think there's many business businesses where you can do that in our cases the development of the product especially with the ambition that we have to go and tackle bigger players um multi-billion dollar worth brands or or retailers we needed to have a product that was you know uh well enough deployed and developed before uh you know having a a discussion and with them and, and and being able to integrate that service uh with them um so the hiring the the fundraising bit was kind of a, a non debatable kind of uh discussion we had between founders um so then the the second question was how to do it uh among which kind of investors and there we decided to bring on board more, more strategic investors that could help us uh, not only do the right introductions, but also had the experience in the industry to make us and un- to, to help us understand uh, basically how these corporations and how these brands would perceive a solution like ours uh, and help us more on the, the sales kind of funnel. So we brought in uh, the CEO of Chaga um Cedric Charbier who who has been really amazing um we brought in Giovanna Battaglia which is now uh the creative director at uh, Swarovski. um we brought in at a later stage uh, the ceo of bluebell um which is a company that uh, is leading the distribution of luxury goods in asia so it's a number of people basically in the space uh and then we we also uh you know um and and uh, um, brought in uh, amazing investors that are more uh, of industrials, and uh, one of which that is called Yellow Octopus, and that has been in recycling business since uh, over 10 years. And, uh, and that is very familiar with the whole circular kind of models and, and, and business models and businesses.
0: So that's a really, really, I think, interesting and important strategy, which is bringing People from the industry that you're trying to frankly disrupt in to help you serve them in the best way possible.
1: And if I can add, it also brings enormous credibility to the financial markets. I mean, where you will be raising maybe at a later stage to have these people believe in you and having, an, having them on board invested uh, br- brings a, a green signal to the market, right? Because let's be honest, um, you know, venture capitalists don't always know uh what you're talking about and, and uh know the, the market well enough to understand that there's a real need of uh, of that particular solution, especially when it's disrupting and um there's no real other business cases out there. So having basically the green light and um you know the the, the validation of the industry itself and of the clients is a huge, uh, of a huge value and, and brings a lot of trust around the, your, your solution.
0: So starting a business is never easy and starting a tech driven business that's disrupting an entire industry is definitely not easy. I'm sure it hasn't been a straight path. What challenges have you faced early on and how did you cope with those?
1: Wow. So many challenges. I mean, it's been eight years of, uh, of challenges and hurdles Um, so I, I think, I mean, the main challenge when I started as entrepreneur is, you know, you go from a big corporate, at least in my case, big corporate, where you have a certain specialization to an environment in which you need to do everything from A to Z and where you need to learn again. Right. Because, um, you know, you need to have skill sets that are, that, that has such a wide range. Uh, that of course you're you're not good at everything and you don't cover everything, uh, but you need to learn those. And I think that was the main main challenges at the beginning, where I was in my kitchen, you know, uh, trying to to learn some basic sense of coding because I was working with some developers in India. And uh, and then um, you know there there was so many things that were going wrong and there was miscommunications and things like that to the moment where. Um, you know, we did our first collections and I had to learn how to do graphic, not graphic di- design, but right. editing of the products myself, uh, to be able to teach another intern that's, you know, was gracefully coming, uh, to, to, to work for me for free just because she wanted to be part of the journey, uh, to accounting. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest challenges at first is, is really having to tap into so many different skill sets. Uh, the second is loneliness. Um, I felt I was very, very lonely and, and felt that, um, you know, it, it was hard being a, a single founder for my first venture. Uh, that's why as well in, in my second venture, I decided very early on to, to bring in my co-founders and it, it changes everything basically to be able to, to share that journey with others. Um, so I think that was my second uh, biggest challenge and then the third was uh, fundraising i feel it's it's uh it's a very particular space i and 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 requires particular skill sets i feel um it's still very dominated by uh, by men um which you know uh, i i'm not saying it's uh, it it made up the the challenge as such but uh for me it was uh, it was still you know different ways of looking at the business, especially being in the fashion industry, having sometimes to explain um to to stakeholders who who didn't have that passion or or that same sense of uh of need, uh it was more difficult to convince than uh, if I was talking to to female uh investors. Um so that was that was I would say uh my, my, my third biggest uh uh challenge and then the, the final one, if I had, I mean, because I could go on and on and I, I, I feel that I need to cut, um, uh, cut short. Uh, the final one is, is, is for me the, the res- the human resource, the, so the team management, um, you know, making sure everyone is motivated in these extremely challenging, uh, environment and situation and context. Uh, I think that was, that was very challenging as well Is is, uh, is, uh, is making sure that um, everyone is working their butts off because that's the only way to survive. But at the same time, being able to maintain uh, that energy and that motivation and that passion uh, because or else uh, it's not possible to, to, you know, to, to succeed in, in, in spending hours on that business.
0: Well, you've named so many challenges that we hear from entrepreneurs. It's really great to hear an honest assessment of what it's like, because obviously entrepreneurship can be glamorized and there's so many positives, but it's good to go in eyes wide open.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> so you participate in Springboard Enterprises. So speaking of connecting to a network um, and an ecosystem that can really help women entrepreneurs in particular. Yes. And you were recently recognized by Springboard. How have you been involved with Springboard and why has this been important to, to you and Reef
1: well, the, the first thing is that, I mean, we were lucky enough to be able to, to be in New York all together physically and to spend that week together uh, and then to be followed very closely uh, by our peers and uh, our mentors. So I think that was, for me at least, uh, on a personal level, extremely valuable. I mean, it's still something that we did today. We, we meet up on a weekly basis to, to discuss basically our main challenges and there's a really, it's a strong community where we help each other and we share what works, what doesn't, we, we encourage each other. Uh, so I think that if I had to cite one thing that really uh, was helpful was this creation of community. And what's great is that it lives on beyond the incubating uh, time that we had uh, physically at, at Springboard. So we meet up on a, a weekly basis and share our challenges and our success. And we have uh, that community to encourage us Along, uh, along the journey and along the way.
0: So the honor that you just received was for companies that are transforming industries and you are certainly doing that. And of course, we're in this very difficult time of COVID and we're all facing a lot of uncertainty. Is there some advice that you can give someone new starting out who's trying to make her way? And is there something that makes you optimistic about this moment despite these difficult times we're all facing?
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's an incredible moment to to actually uh, think about launching something because everything is reshuffled, right? And it's the moment where there's no more certainties. Uh, So this is where you can really disrupt. I think it's the ideal moment, of course. Um, We're seeing it in the fashion industry where, you know, resale once upon a time was seen and frowned upon um, because it was perceived as almost dirty and, and, you know, not very glamorous, whereas today it's the future it's it's the new way of shopping it's it's sustainable it's it's uh it just makes sense in in, in so many ways um and I think the the you know w- what has happened this year has just accelerated um this consciousness around uh we need to innovate we need to disrupt we need to rethink our models. Um, today we're moving out of the traditional linear model to more circular ones, but this requires huge rethinking at different stages of how, you know, of, of basically, um, how our, our economy is, is structured, right? And, and, um, and it touches upon so many different areas. Um, so I think there's a lot to be done and there will need to be a lot of different creative ideas. Uh, so I think there there isn't a best moment to to go and and start something new and fresh.
0: Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us. We're really looking forward to seeing what you do with Reflant and what you've done to this industry is just pretty remarkable in this short amount of time. So again, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thank you so much, Kim, for having me.
0: That's innovation in action, allowing us each to stay fashionable while saving the planet as well here are three valuable lessons I took from the conversation. First, gaining experience in the corporate world can give entrepreneurs the background they need to succeed on their own. Stephanie once worked at P&G and says her time there proved invaluable, and it gave her the confidence to understand how to manage a business. Second, once the decision has been made to start a business, entrepreneurs should plan to be in a constant learning mode. One of the biggest challenges Stephanie faced, which is faced by so many entrepreneurs, is the need to tap into so many different skill sets. Finally, as we've heard from others on the show, Stephanie believes this is actually a great time to think about launching a new business. At a time when everything's being reshuffled and reset, this is a great time to jump in when you can really disrupt. If you'd like to join the Seneca Women Network, go to SenecaWomen.com. There you'll get access to exclusive events and workshops, plus updates on new podcasts and other opportunities to get involved. Made by Women is brought to you by the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio with support from founding partner p